listening to the Young Baptist Podcast. We're a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Josh Johnson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Clay Maynard. Clay, we just got done recording an entire episode on the person of Christ. And man, that was a ton of fun. Bro, this is a great topic. This is I've a been fantastic fired up topic. for this the whole time, and I am loving it. It is all it is talking about it and going through the material has lived up to every bit of my expectations. I'm having so much fun 100%. talking about the person and work of Christ. So let's keep it going. Let's do it. Speaking of the person and work of Christ, Josh, have you heard the song "Better Word" by Leland? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear some people out there say, "Oh, there's no good new songs being written about the blood of Christ." That song talks about the blood of Christ almost every line, mm-hmm. but the whole point of the song is it's derived from Hebrews where it says it that Jesus is, that yeah. the, the blood, his blood speaks a better word than that of Abel. And so the song is titled better word. And it, so much of the song is your blood, your blood. It's, it's your blood um, is a robe of righteousness. Your blood uh, more, my hope and my defense, your, your blood, um, the measure of my worth more than I deserve. Like it's, if you haven't heard this song, Look it up. Yeah, it's a good song. Better word. Just glorying in the blood of Christ and what it does for us. So love it. Yeah, check it out. I was jamming to that on the way to the church this morning, Josh. It's a good song. It's a very good song. Do you know what I'm jamming out to these days, Clay? Our sponsor, Audible. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Audible, it's home to thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, and theatrical performances. And if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash Young Baptist Pod, you can get a free 30-day trial and listen to whatever audiobook you want to. That's right. Audibletrial.com forward slash Young Baptist Pod and get a free 30-day trial to give Audible a test run today. Clay, last episode, if you listened, you only got like a 35 or 40-minute episode. But there is an elect group out there, part of our small group. They got a lot more. They got the whole shebang. Yeah, uncut episode. And it was a lot longer. We had a whole conversation in that first episode. We kind of rabbit trailed on the impeccability of Christ. And Josh and I kind of went back and forth because I have some friends who who have talked to me about that subject. And I had a little bit of a different perspective on that, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we really didn't have, we didn't have time to include that on our episode. It was long enough as it was, but. Everyone uh, in the small group got to hear it. Yeah. Everyone in the small group, we had a whole rabbit trail and a full on conversation about the impeccability of Christ. And so. And we you, solved all those problems as well. <laughs> We, we satisfied the whole question <laughs> and you're, and you're missing all of that. Yeah. You're missing out on that That's if right. you're not part of the small group. And so. it's, it's really easy to become a part of the small group. It's only five bucks a month or $60 a year. That's all you have to do. Just make sure that you click that exclusive subscriber button. Yes. There's a link in the notes of this, uh, in the, the episode notes, wherever you're consuming the content. It's also on our website. There's a link to do that. Just make sure you don't just do a random donation of $60. If you're going to do the full year, make sure you click the exclusive. If you do a random donation on accident, reach out to us. We actually had someone reach out to us recently and say, Hey, I heard your episode. I accidentally did just a one-time donation, but I meant to do the small group. Yeah. And we'll give you that access. We want you to have access to that. if That's what your goal was. So we will, we will allow that. We will allow it. So let's talk about the work of Christ, Clay. Yes. Let's do it. The work of Christ. What is the work of Jesus? The work of Jesus is everything that he did. What we, last episode. And we, does. And does, yeah. Last episode, we talked about who he was, wh- about his person. You know, we discussed his nature and and the 
the manner of his coming and what it meant and who he is. Which is important to talk about before we get to the work of Christ. You have to, you have to. But this is, this is awesome too, to talk about what is the work of Jesus, which we'll start with the death of Christ. His, his death. Um, it is it, like this should, this should slow you down and sober you up when you slow down and think about it. Uh, because it, it he died in in your place. Yeah, that's like the, just think about that. You know, when when I was, I remember when I first understood the gospel. I was six years old when I first understood the gospel and believed. And I remember that being the thing that stopped me in my tracks because I had heard the gospel my whole life, and I could even articulate it at some level. But it, you know how you are when you're a kid; you kind of know the information, but it's not connect. Two plus two is not equaling four in your head yet. And when that connection was made, the conviction that immediately set in on me, because what mm -hmm. I started to put together was, oh yeah, Jesus died for our sin. Jesus died for my sin. For my uh, sin. I, yeah. I have failed in the way that all humanity has failed. And it is that failure that meant Jesus needed to be crucified. That connection that he was dying in my place, man, it stops you in your tracks the first time you hear that. It does. And especially if you're hearing a good gospel presentation, you're already in a pretty, you're already in a pretty low place because you're realizing you're a sinner before God. In that gospel presentation, you're realizing, oh, I've offended God and I'm responsible for the fact that sin must be paid for. And that's the story of scripture. And that's the story of history is that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, all of it is that sin, God is holy and he punishes sin. And so you're in that place when you realize all of a sudden, this is why Jesus came. He stepped in yeah. and took your punishment so that you didn't have to. Like that's such a, it's mm -hmm. like you said, it just stops you in your tracks. The death of Christ emphasizes the weight of sin, the holiness of God yes. and the grace of Jesus oh, yeah. Christ perfect is justice. so beautiful. Yeah, perfect justice and perfect mercy met mm -hmm. at Calvary that day as Jesus died for us. It's amazing. Probably my favorite verse, I said it on the last episode, I've probably said it a hundred times on this podcast, in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I just, I mean, reading it gives me goosebumps, yeah. man. You put on here on the notes, Josh, 1 Peter 2.24 as well. This is a great one too. Yeah. If, you, if you wanna know why we believe in substitutionary atonement, this is a really great verse for that. Uh, the one you just read was as well. Yep. Um, but this one too, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. There's other uh, do weird doctrines that go on out there about how Jesus paid for our sins. And without getting into a rabbit trail on that, the reason we believe in substitutionary atonement is because of verses like this. Yeah. He actually was standing there in that day, taking that punishment in our place. Mm -hmm. He bare our sins in his body. And the first Peter three eighteen, Christ also has suffered for once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, Isaiah 53, read it. Oh my goodness, I love Isaiah 53. It's just so, it, it'll break you. It'll yeah. break you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Psalm 22, the same. 
Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Josh, when you, if I could harken back, I'm just looking, you read Romans 5, 8, that God commendeth his love toward us. Um, I was listening to uh, Mark Ward talk about this, and he mentioned that the word commendeth there, it's not really a word we use today. I don't say I commend this cup of coffee to you, right? But that's kind of one of the ways that that word could get used when um, the King James was translated, that he commended his love toward us, that he gave it to us. But it really, the Greek word actually goes much deeper than that. The word used almost means to showcase. Yeah, to like set off. Yeah, yeah to, 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 to really, really demonstrate something in all of its fullness. And he, the example he used is the Greek word could be used like if a jeweler wanted a diamond to be look so beautiful. One way that a, a jeweler will do that is to set a very bright diamond on a dark felt cloth. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see, a, you'll see a lot of jewelry on black felt. Yep. Why? Because it want, they want all of the focus, all of the glory. You don't, you don't even, the, the case is almost immaterial. It, it just fades into the background. The point of the way the case is designed is just to spotlight, to showcase, to put forth the glory of that diamond. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's the word commendeth here has that entailed in in the Greek word. And it's saying God was showcasing, God was demonstrating, he was showing forth the immense glory of his love toward us. And this is how he did it. He did it in the death of Christ for us. Yep, Man, that's amazing. It is. Uh, He was brutally beaten and hung on a cross to suffer in our place. We know his death was a substitute for us as we've we've been talking. Um, His death redeemed us. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Hebrews 9, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And I, I love Revelation 5.9. This is what we look forward to. They sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Yes. So good. <laughs> this is this is what we look forward to, the day when we hear this declared in, in eternity. Uh, and we just kind of reference it as well. We, we've been reconciled to God through the death of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That little phrase right there, not imputing their trespasses unto them is big. That carries a lot of weight right there. Yeah. Romans uses this language a lot too, this, this idea of imputing. And it's the idea that who gets responsibility for something. God does not impute in his grace, he does not impute to you sin. And he, and he does impute to you the righteousness of Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. So you get credit for the righteousness of Christ in heaven. You will enter heaven one day, having been reconciled to God and, and having been, you will be welcomed to, to, to heaven as if you lived the life that Jesus lived because he died the death you deserve to die and took all your sin on himself and accomplished everything for you. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And his death, it satisfied the just demands of a holy and righteous God. We, we call this propitiation. Um, Romans 3 whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. 
1 John 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. We keep seeing in all of this, Clay, over and over and over again, whatever it is that Christ did on the cross and what his death has accomplished, it has been done in our place for us. Yeah, and that word propitiation, Josh, it means it means to appease justice. Uh, we sing the song, In Christ Alone. And that song has a very powerful passage in it on this exact idea. And it says, there on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him, on was, him laid. was laid. And so that's, that's exactly what this is talking about, this idea of propitiation, that God's wrath on sin was, was satisfied in the death of Christ on the cross. And his death was the end of the law. Romans 10, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Yes. Um, man, we, we rejoice in the death of Christ, in the, the bloody cross. But hey, we have good news. Christ died, yes, but he is alive. He, he is risen. He did not stay yeah. dead. Happy he rose Easter, again on everybody. Third day. That's right. He, he <laughs> rose again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and we rejoice. Christ is coming again. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But the Gospels, they all tell us of this wonderful message. Um, Matthew 28, the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Luke 24, John 20, the exciting uh, reality that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And his... Resurrection, it declares his deity. Romans 1, uh, Jesus is declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And it's his resurrection that assures us of our justification. Romans 4 says, who is delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Right, because he he went, uh, G Jesus actually told Mary when he when he showed himself to her in the garden, she, she went to touch him and he says, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my father. And there's, there's some different theories I've read about what that exactly means. But my understanding is that uh, he had risen that day, but he had the Bible, Hebrews actually talks about him resurrecting and, and using his own blood to atone for our sin at the mercy seat. And one of the coolest explanations of that passage that I think might have some merit is that Jesus had not yet, he tells Mary, I have not yet ascended to my father. Don't touch me. And that when he shows up later in the upper room, he had actually applied the blood to the mercy seed. I've never heard that before. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah. That because when he shows up in the upper room, he lets him touch him. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that before. It's interesting, huh? And his resurrection, it comforts us because of, our, it in, in, ensures, I'll spit it out. It comforts us because it ensures our own future resurrection. Yes. First Corinthians 15, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Praise the Lord, man. Yeah, we're, go we're going up too. Because he rose, we will also be raised. Either we're getting out of here through a physical resurrection before we die, or we're going to die and we're going to be raised in the last day. That's right. Which brings us, Josh, to the ministries of Christ. So we've been talking about what he did, which is, <laughs> which is enough to talk about. Yeah. Um, but we've kind of tried to cover it briefly. But that kind of transitions to what, is he, what does he still do? What is the ministry and the work of Christ still to this day? And because he lives, these things are true. Yes. Because he lives, these things are true. So what's he do? Um, he sustains creation. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him, 
were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and by him, all things consist. This is what Christ does today. Yeah, Colossians 1 has so much in it that could apply to so many of the, if you want to read a, a, just a text that just fires you up, I feel like Colossians 1 is the, one of the best passages. I'll just go there sometimes just to read it, just to get fired up about who Jesus is. Because, and, and even in the last episode, there's so much of what we've discussed in this Christology episode that Colossians 1 touches almost every point of it yeah. in the language there. So what, what a phenomenal passage. Christ, he, today, he has all authority. He said to his disciples, um, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Um, he's building his church. This is encouraging. He said to Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Catch that wording there. I will build my church. Yes. Uh, it's not I might or I could. I should or I shouldn't. I will. Almost like, almost like Jesus church. is saying he's sovereign. Uh-oh. <laughs> he says in Colossians 1, again, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He is, uh, Hebrews talks about him being our high priest. Says in chapter four, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Uh, it says also in Hebrews that he makes intercession for us. And by the way, Hebrews is a great book on the ministry of Jesus today. It talks a lot about uh, him uh, being having gone through what we went through. It really talks about um, uh, we have a, our him being our high priest. Uh, and it talks in Hebrews 7, the end of Hebrews 7. Man, what a rich passage talking about uh, what Jesus does for us. It says, wherefore, in verse 25 of chapter 7, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, which means intercessor intercession is prayer. It means when you're not praying, Jesus is praying for you. When you are praying, Jesus is praying for you. That's an amazing ministry that Jesus has for us. Uh, it says in verse John chapter two, that he's our advocate. Uh, verse John two, one says, my little children, these things write unto you, write I unto you. And he's writing out of, out of first John chapter one, where he's saying, don't walk in darkness, walk in the light. Uh, and confess your sins and have fellowship one with another. And he goes right into First John 2 saying, I'm writing these things to you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I love that because it, yeah. it's, 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 he sort of encapsulates all of First John 1. He says, don't walk in darkness, but if you fall, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive. And he starts off First John 2 the exact same way saying, hey, don't, I'm writing these things so you won't sin. But if you do, don't live there. Jesus is our advocate with the Father. Going back to Hebrews, he taught, it, it, the scripture teaches that he helps us in temptations even to this day. Uh, Hebrews 2.18 says, he himself hath suffered being tempted. So he is able to succor them that are tempted. Uh, chapter 4 verse 15 says, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I was referencing this a few minutes ago. But it goes on to say, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I love that it says over in Corinthians that no, no such temptation, no temptation has taken you, but that is common to man. But God is faithful who will with the temptation make a way of an escape. He also enables us to bear fruit. John 15 says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. 
I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And he is right now preparing a place for us. John 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is the work of Christ today. Yep. That reminds me of Josh's favorite hymn. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Ugh, I hate that song so much. <laughs> that song is hot garbage. <laughs> you know, you're reminding me of Brian Edwards, Josh. Why except for I except for I goaded you. That's the difference. I mean, that's true. Brian yeah. Edwards got in trouble for saying he didn't like I Fly Away. I don't like that song either. I, the song is also hot garbage. <laughs> I just goaded you into, into attacking. I got a mansion over the hilltop. It's like, my goodness, let me sing about what I have. Me, yeah. me, me. Because e eternity is all about me and what I get. <laughs> Give me you a You know break. what I'm really looking forward to when I get to heaven, Josh? Yeah. Them mansions. Yeah, I'm them looking mansions. forward to my pad. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind the fact that Christ is there. Never mind any of that. <laughs> Anyways, I'm getting all fired up about that. All right. Well, let's get back to Christology. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to the future. So we've talked about the past, what Jesus did for us, how amazing that is. We've talked about the present, what he continues to do for us every single day. And it, that brings us to the future. Josh, he's going to return for his church. That's right. First uh, Corinthians 4 is a great passage on this. He sa It says, Paul tells the Thessalonians, he says, I would have you not be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's our comfort. That's yep. our hope. He is coming back for his church um, in the future. We can look forward to that and we can we can base the hope that we have in this life on that promise. Yep. He's going to, uh, he'll also be rewarding Christians at the judgment seat. Second Corinthians five ten. for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. But not only that, um, he'll be pouring out his wrath during the tribulation. Revelation six says, and said to the mountains and the rocks, this is the people that are uh, experiencing the, the, the wrath of God at the tribulation. They say, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand. We don't like to think always about that, but this is who Christ is. One day his wrath will be poured out. Yeah, he's going to be the reigning king, which which is the next sort of the next point here. During the millennium, the millennium and the the, the reign of Christ will be, he will be king in Jerusalem. Revelations 19 is another great passage that'll just get you fired up about the future. Yep. It says in verse 11, uh, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called 
the word of God. A little hearkening back to John chapter one right there. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he hath an, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That means we can get tattoos, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, That's what it means, Josh. I've been storing that one up for a minute. <laughs> Not only that, more seriously speaking, he will judge sinners at the great white throne. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things, which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, it's what a sobering passage is, that man. is. You're reading through that. This is why we said it. I think we said it first in the in the previous episode, but your relationship to Jesus is what matters. This mm-hmm. is why yeah. you are either part of his bride, his friend, his brother, part of the family of God. You're either those things or you are one who says, no, I'm, I'm, I want to, I will face my life and I will face eternity in my sin. I will reject the truth of who Jesus is. And I will, I will move forward facing this on my own. And then in the end, you will be required to pay for your own sins. This is, and, and the idea sometimes that some people get when they hear about Christianity is that, oh, it's, 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 you're either in the club and you just get this miraculous grace or you're outside the club and, and, and you just get the judgment and wrath of God. That doesn't seem fair. No, it's it, in a real way. What's not fair is that Jesus bore in himself all of our sin. The only thing that's really not fair about that is that Jesus took it all on himself. Anybody who rejects that sacrifice for them doesn't seek that forgiveness from God, does not repent of their sin. You are willingly accepting on yourself the penalty of your own sin. And so to, to reject Christ is to reject the escape. It w- it's totally fair that all of us go to hell. That's what's fair. Yeah. What's fair is that we all stand like it says here in Revelation 20, what's fair is that we all stand before Jesus in the last day and be judged for our sin. That's what's fair. The only thing that's not fair is that we have a way of escape. That's right. But if you're hearing this morning, you're saying, oh, this just seems so harsh. The guy, the fact that God in the end is going to judge these people because they're sinners and they're going to, they're going to be cast into the lake of, you know, they're going to, they're going to be judged according to their works, it says, and every man's going to be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Um, yeah, that's rough, mm-hmm. but it's what all of us deserve. Yeah. So, Make things right with Jesus, establish your relationship and move forward in in grace toward Christ because of the sacrifice he made. That's why this is so important. Amen. Yep. And lastly, he will reign forever. Revelation 22 says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the lamb in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was the, was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. 
and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads and there shall be no night there and they shall need no candle, neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Man, I'm looking forward to this that, This is Josh. the day we look forward to with great anticipation is the day when Christ is ruling and reigning. Yeah, no president, no political parties, no elections. Elections will be suspended forever. That's right. <laughs> Jesus will be king. So this leads us to our final question. We didn't we didn't get into this on our last episode because we were anticipating this one. But why does Christology matter? What difference does it make? Uh, it makes and it all. feels like that's such a silly question to ask. Yeah, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you're like, oh, this is obvious. Yeah, you've probably put it together already. <laughs> but I think it's important to go ahead and reiterate it. Um, first, uh, I have here, Clay, there can be no salvation without Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's right. Um, without Christ, without the deity of Christ, without the work of Christ, no salvation. That's right. We are hopeless and we are lost. Yep. And we're given instruction, explicit instructions in scripture as Christians. If you're a believer in Christ, you need to know Christology because it keeps you out of serious trouble. A lot of the historic, and we didn't get into historic deviations in Christology. Like we didn't get into, throughout church history, there's been a lot of heresies that have cropped up yeah. about about the, the person and work of Christ. We can get into those today and we can do maybe a follow-up at some point and talk about some of those. But a lot of the historic Christian creeds that you can read, you know, you go read Nicaea, you go read these, these creeds and these confessions. The reason a lot of those confessions were written was to deal with specific challenges and heresies that were cropping up in the church. And 1 John 4 makes it explicit from scripture that we are to judge teachers, we are to judge spirits, whether they are of God, by this thing. It says, try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We know that's true. There's so many doctrines, there's so many ideas out there. And it's what it says in 1 John 4 is this, hereby know ye the spirit of God. This is how you're supposed to judge it. Yep. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whether ye have heard that it should come and even now already is it in the world. So they were, he, John's saying, we're facing it now, but it's going to continue and there's going to be false teachers and explicitly says the way you should judge every false teacher, the way you should look at at spirits, whether they're of God, go back to what do they say about Jesus? Yep. Go back to what do they say about the person and work of Christ? So this is the, <laughs> to borrow from Indiana Jones, this is the Holy Grail of, of false doctrine versus pure doctrine. What does this, what is this method of thought? What does this doctrine say about Jesus? Even Trinitarian heresy, Josh, almost always, I think I've talked to you about this before. Yeah. comes back to the sun. Yeah. Every time I see people who are in Trinitarian heresy, it's like, oh, they don't believe in the Trinity. Oh, they believe this. They believe that. Every single time, the one they're attacking is Jesus. Every single time. First John 4 tells you right here, don't accept that. Yep. Do not accept a watered down, questionable view of Jesus. And I just want to say from, from the Young Baptist podcast, I know we're in lockstep on this. And the people we do ministry with and the people we want to be associated with are in lockstep on this. You accept Jesus as who he said he was. You're not, you're, you're either with us or you're not with us. And if you're not with us, Jesus says you're not of his sheep. If you don't accept that he is who he said he was. And so why does it matter? Oh, it matters all the world. Yep. We are saved by the blood, the death, the resurrection. 
the substitution of Christ on the cross, and he is our hope. All of my favorite songs that are being written today are songs like In Christ Alone, My Hope is Found, songs like Christ Our Hope in Life and Death, songs like All I Have is Christ. I love those songs because they say exactly what this verse says right here, and that is Jesus is everything. Yep. If he is not God, if this is not true, then all of this, we will get to the end of our lives and we will be able to say, wow, you know, we were good moral people and upstanding citizens of our country. But if it is true and we believe it is, it matters the whole entire world. And there is nothing in this world that you can put up against the person of Christ. I love what C.S. Lewis says, Josh. He says, some of you have heard the, the trilemma of Christ. The trilemma yeah. of Christ. C.S. Lewis says he is either Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic because he could not have just been a good person. It's not acceptable solution. He's either lied about who he was or he thought he was that person and was crazy slash lunatic or he was exactly who he said he was. And you have to choose one of those. Christ came to this world and the gospel, the word of God in person. I mean, what God wanted, what, what God wanted us to know about himself is the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Jesus reveals God to us. Jesus is the gospel. And um, so it's everything. Yep. The gospel changes everything, Josh. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community. 